Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the With Lime podcast, all things coronavirus, COVID-19. I'm your host, Paulie G, um, and I'm joined um, from Austria, live from Austria, by Alice Swartz-Filtz. Alice, thank you so much um, for coming on the show today. Hi, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's a remarkable story, one I've been um, teasing the listeners with over the past couple of days. But um, (laughs) you've been halfway around the world in in quite a remarkable fashion just to get there, to be fair. And then on the way back, um, an even more incredible story that we'll get to. But let's, you are a seasoned traveller. You've been, you know, to many, many countries around the world, seen many things experienced and you know an ordinate amount of incredible experiences but just talk about even how you arrived um in mexico city back when this was still you know in its in, in infancy days in early february i did get to mexico via cargo ship wow. i decided that i wanted to travel but with um a smaller carbon footprint And I Googled and I found out that it was actually possible to travel across the Atlantic on a cargo ship. So I did that and it was amazing. Now, this is something that it's really just the crew, isn't it? I mean, it's not really designed for passengers. How how many sort of guests were on the ship? Um, There were, on my ship, there were 22 crew. And three guests altogether. There would have been room for five, but yeah. there was three of us. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, well, and everyone else is working. Yeah. You were just enjoying the view, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, there's not. It's not like a. It's not like a cruise, so there's no entertainment. You pretty no. much get to entertain yourself, but you. There's food three times a day, and yeah. the food was always great. Um, there's a gym. Yeah. It even had a sauna, and of course, there's there's always the view. No matter yeah. what the weather's like, there's always a view, and it's always fantastic. Now, it may have been better for the environment, but it wouldn't have been um, more expedient, shall we say, than catching a plane. What? How long did it actually take? It would have been quicker and also a lot cheaper to just take a plane. Oh. It took us almost three weeks from Bremerhaven in the north of Germany to Veracruz in Mexico, where I signed off. Wow. Wow, incredible. And mm-hmm. did you, I mean, during those three weeks, probably that's when, you know, the coronavirus is spreading through Europe, like wildfire, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But did you have Wi-Fi? Like, were you able to really follow it at all? What was happening? Um, no, the passengers did not. There is Wi-Fi on board via satellite, mm. but it's it's low, it's unreliable, and it's also expensive. So we just relied on the news that we got from basically from the captain every couple of days, out, updates from from home about the most important mm. um, things. And yeah, we got this idea. I think Corona was already in the news when I left Europe. But when I arrived in Mexico, of course, it had spread a lot more. Mm. Um, there were, I think, there were already the first few cases in Mexico, 
But at least in Central America, there was no seriousness about it. They were still, everyone was still waiting what was going to happen. So at first it didn't impact my travel at all. And you were in Mexico for a while and then you got out of there and went to Belize, right? And then that's when it started to get a bit mm-hmm. more serious for you? Yeah, I had to. I only got a visa for 15 days, I think, because I arrived by our ship. Okay. Um, so I had to get to another country. Belize was the closest, so that's where I went. And I did get across the border without any problems, but mm-hmm. on my second or third day, there were starting to be rumors that the ferry between uh, Mexico and Belize had been in limbo for a few hours because Belize wouldn't accept any more tourists. Mexico didn't want them back. But they were just rumors, you know, Um, nothing reliable, nothing on the news in Belize. But a few days later, there was strong talk that a lot of countries were about to close their borders. And I figured that because I had been planning on on traveling to Guatemala anyways, I figured I'd rather be stuck in Guatemala than in Belize. So I took a bus to across the border mm. to Guatemala, and two days later they actually did close the borders. So now Guatemala did, and Belize did as well. Now you're stuck in Guatemala. Um, how long were you yeah. sort of in, <laughs> pretty much stuck there for? And and how did that work? Um. I found a hostel that was taking up pretty much all the tourists in that little town of Flores, which right. is a small island in on a, in a lake in the north. A lot of people know the ruins of Tikal, and Flores is the point of the, like where you sleep when you want to see the ruins. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this hostel just basically got word around that you could go there. They made us a good deal, so everyone had a private room just in case any of us was actually already. Um, already actually had the virus and would get sick. So we were isolated from each other. Um, And yeah, pretty much everyone on the island went there. There were about maybe 15 or 17 of us. Yeah. And there was thankfully a big enough courtyard also so we could sit outside and didn't have to spend all day in the room uh, without crowding. And there was a curfew? We had the social distancing going on. yeah. Um, just as a precaution. And that's that's the thing, right? I mean, I know in Australia, the backpackers or tourists are getting a bit of a bad name for a few sort of photos that have leaked out, et cetera, et cetera. But, but a lot of tourists and backpackers are quite sensible, right, in regards to that. Yeah, we were really lucky that everyone at the hostel, even even the management, even the staff, very early on, the management asked the staff who of them was willing to stay at the hostel um, so they wouldn't have any contact with people from outside for everyone's safety. And yeah. after a few days, they actually, we actually decided that we would shut ourselves in because people on the street were starting to, there were rumors were starting to spread that some of one person at the hostel had been tested positive for COVID-19. So people started to get afraid and also to, there were a few really nasty comments when I was running uh, around the Island one morning. So we just decided to shut ourselves in for everyone's safety and sanity and the staff stayed with us too. Yeah, it was, it was all very, very sensible. Like we all, got together and basically agreed on what we what we wanted to do and it was very clear that we would just shut ourselves in and 
and see what happened next, what, what the president of Guatemala yeah. would, would do next. Because there were the transport within the country had already been shut down by his decree and the country had closed itself off completely. All borders were closed. And a few days later, the president also imposed a curfew from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. just wow. to further restrict movement, basically. When did you decide that you needed to get out and how how did you make it happen? Mm, there was a lot of discussion going on with my husband at home wow. if I should get home or not because in Austria there were already a couple of hundreds, if not thousands of cases. But in the end we decided it was a good idea to at least try to get back because in Austria you, you have the safe, like you know your own country. Yeah. You have that safety, have or at least you think you do. While in Guatemala, I don't know, I just, it's not that I didn't feel safe, but it's more that to me it's a completely unpredictable country. I don't know nearly enough about it. And what I know is basically that not too long ago there was a civil war. Mm. There have been, it has been a little bit unstable. So, you know, I did, just didn't want to risk it. So maybe two two and a half weeks ago i decided that it would probably make sense to try to get home contacted my uh, ministry of foreign affairs and then found out that i wasn't to expect any help from them and Uh. that was the same with pretty much everyone at my hostel like we were like i said maybe 15 people from eight nine ten different countries and they were all basically told that, yeah, well, you can try to get to Mexico City because there were still um, international flights leaving from Mexico City, but we won't help you, which was a little bit frustrating and disappointing. Absolutely. Yeah. So what was it in the end, an unlikely hero that that helped get you out um, from, was it the British Embassy? (laughs) Yeah, we had that hero who somehow had a contact at the BBC um, that will help. And yeah, it did help. He had an interview with the BBC, and the next morning he got a call from the British ambassador who told him that there would be a bus to take the British citizens from Flores, where we were, to the capital, and then on to the Mexican border. And all the non British citizens at the embassy immediately emailed the British embassy in Guatemala asking, Can we come along too? Right. And luckily there was room for us on the bus. So everyone got on even if they weren't from the UK or even Europe? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The passage was paid for for the British citizens, but they made us a very fair price, which was right. basically the same. We would have paid anyway on a on a bus that would have taken us to the capital and then onto the border. Yeah. So, so you had yeah. to get to the We got capital. into a bus from the British Embassy right. very early in the morning, so we would make it to the yeah, capital. Right. You had curfew, curfew to worry about. Yeah. Hmm. And then the next day there were actually two buses that took people from the capital to the border with Mexico. Um, from there we cleared the border. And on the other side, they even, that was actually a surprise. They didn't tell us in advance. They had another bus waiting for us to take us to the airport of the next village from where um, a group of six of us from our hostel flew to Mexico City together. Yeah, right. How long did it all take? I mean, this must have taken days and days. 
the the journey itself to, for me it took quite a long time door yeah. to door it was over 120 hours wow. so five wow. basically five days i think it was wow. but yeah you know when you're when you're on the move yeah you don't really notice because you're moving anyways and i just had one day one full day in mexico city uh, as a safety day, basically, if if something went wrong, so I wouldn't miss my my flight back to Europe. Yeah, because need, I really didn't want to miss that. Yeah, you needed to be prepared for for things to go wrong, yeah. even though in this case it went right. Especially in a situation like this, we we were checking flights from from that airport close to the border to Mexico yeah. City, and we noticed that most flights were actually going, but you never know. And. And even when you left Mexico, the the trip wasn't over. You still had some hurdles to overcome on the European side. <laughs> yeah, quite unexpectedly. Normally, you enter Europe, show your passport, and you're good yeah. to go. But this time in in Madrid, Madrid was easy. But getting on the plane from Madrid to Munich, everyone because uh, everyone who wasn't a German citizen or living in Germany had to um, show proof of onward travel. Right. Um, and then in Munich again, we arrived in Munich at maybe eight o'clock at night. And for me, there wouldn't have been a train the same day to take me back to Austria, or at least not to where, yeah, yeah. where I was going to be then. Uh, so I had a train for the next morning and a hotel booked, but at first the, the person at immigration wouldn't have that. She just said I needed a train for the wow. same day. And I explained to her, well, I have this ticket for tomorrow and I have a hotel booked, but I just there's just no train for me today and there were also no flights to Vienna and in the end yeah she grilled me a little but in the end she let me pass thankfully <laughs> oh it's amazing <laughs> it's just so surreal you know everyone yeah. with the face masks and yeah. of course meter and a half in between people and yeah. then still they don't they hardly let you into a country and as an austrian not being able to get into germany that's just very, very surreal. It's a strange times indeed. And now you're in Austria, it finally is. back home. Yet yeah. you're um, under a is- isolation again, two weeks worth, where you can't even, you know, get close to your husband or your, your parents. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm at, ha- at the halfway point today. And yesterday I passed the median incubation period for corona. Yay. Successfully. <laughs> so yay. <laughs> but yeah, I cannot yet hug my husband nor my oh. parents because we live in the same house at the moment. So I spent a lot of time in the eight square meter big childhood bedroom of mine. <laughs> and I'm so glad that the weather has been really, really nice. So it's it's almost 20 degrees today. So I just spent a lot of time in the garden, which oh, makes things a lot easier to Mentally, especially. Alice, it's an absolutely incredible story. I'd like to check in in a couple of weeks and see how you're going post-isolation, see what it's like in Austria, because you're probably still going to be in lockdown, I would assume, for a while yet. Yeah. And, yeah, but but thank you so much for sharing um, with the listeners, not only here in Australia, but around around the world, of course, where you can get this podcast, but especially in Australia, just what a story. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we get to talk with Alice again soon. Of course, I'm your host, Paulie G. You can find me on Twitter at listen to Paulie G, P-A-U-L-I-E-G. 
and we'll be back again tomorrow with another With Lime podcast. Bye for now.